You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Clemson Nation, what is up? Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Glad to be back on a normal schedule this week. Welcome to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, Monday through Friday, a daily glance into Clemson athletics, including the Clemson football team. And how about the Clemson men's basketball team off to a 2-0 and start? I'll address that coming up later on. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. But first, let's review what happened on the gridiron where Clemson, number three team in the college football playoff rankings this week, knocked off Pitt 52-17 to in what I can't describe any better as a perfect way to get things going again. Uh, it really was. I thought Clemson played extremely well in this game uh, from almost start to finish. The Tigers were the beneficiary of Five turnovers from Pitt, and some of those so early in the game, it really helped jumpstart Clemson, who has not played again since November 7th against Notre Dame. So uh, a way to get off to a good start is force turnovers, have some short fields, get some touchdowns, kick a field goal, build a quick lead, and Clemson did that with 31 first quarter points in this game. So I'll get into that, how Clemson built that big lead, and we'll do Inside the box score coming up in just a little bit. And then I'll give you some storylines to keep an eye on coming up throughout this week as Clemson heads to Blacksburg, Virginia to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies on Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. I am your host, Brad Sinkov. Appreciate you joining me here today on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Brad Sinkov, S-E-N-K-I-W. And make sure you hit the download button, the subscribe button, and help Locked On Clemson continue to grow. Let's get right into lessons learned coming out of this game. Again, 52-17, to the 31 nothing lead Clemson built right off the bat. Never looked back. Uh, again, as I mentioned, five turnovers forced in this game. Four interceptions, two of those from Mario Goodrich. Clemson also had six sacks in this game. They just really got after the quarterback, made life difficult, and it really, really helped to have two guys back in the middle. And that was Tyler Davis and James Skowski. I think the first lesson learned is one that we already knew, but it's at least worth reviewing again, is just how good those two players are and how much better Clemson's defense is when those two were on the field. They held Pitt to under 250 total yards in this game. And a lot of that, I think, was just the presence of Tyler Davis and James Skowski. Skowski was tied for the team high in tackles in this game. Tyler Davis got in the backfield and got a sack. More importantly, they brought some stability. Uh, Clemson looked more fluid. Things just ran better. Uh, I mean, I think I think you all could see that. And it just it just kind of uh, highlighted, reiterated just how important those two players are. I mean, like I said a couple weeks ago when they were out, it's like in baseball, you lose your shortstop and your center fielder or your shortstop and your second baseman, your, your catcher goes down, something like that. The middle of, your, of the field suffers greatly unless you have some really, really good players to step in. And it's not that the guys who stepped in were bad. They just weren't Tyler Davis and James Skowski. Their experience level, their knowledge, 
and just the overall impact and effect they have on the team, the way the defense or the way that opposing offenses have to account for them is um, beneficial to everybody else. It just frees people up to go make plays. And so I think that's having those two backs certainly uh, was one of the biggest keys in this game. And it was a lesson, again, that just sort of got reiterated. They are that important. For those of you who maybe thought, ah, they'll be okay without them. No, they really needed those two players back. And and Pitt was capable of making some plays. And Kenny Pickett, you saw his arm. He, he could throw the football. He just didn't have a lot of time. And Clemson rushed him and was able to get his feet um, where they didn't need to be. And he was had a hard time being accurate in this game. Another lesson learned in this one is that the Clemson Tigers, despite all that's gone on this year, despite a pandemic, despite a uh, season where there's just uncertainty around every turn, of course, the Florida State saga that happened a week ago, there's so much going on. You kind of lose track of just how special teams are. And, and there's a few out there. I mean, I think Alabama's very special this year. Uh, I think Notre Dame's having an amazing season. And Ohio State, we'll see. They had another game canceled. but I mean, and, and there's some other teams out there that are having just really good years. Uh, Coastal Carolina, for example. Uh, special kind of seasons. I think those things sort of get lost sometimes when we're so focused on who's not playing, uh, will there be a game this week, will there not be a game this week, uh, who tested positive, which coach is out. I mean, this seems to kind of rule college football right now, but when you look at what Clemson has done, uh, this season, you can't help but be impressed uh, with a team that has had to handle all the pandemic just like everybody else, and they've really put together a very special season. Eight and one right now, um, and I thought it was good that Dabo Sweeney kind of took some time to acknowledge that his team is playing special football, and they are. And here's just a few things that came out of this game on Saturday. Clemson's 31 first quarter points that I mentioned, the most ever in the history of the program for first quarter points. The Clemson Tigers joined Florida State as the only teams in ACC history to score 34 or more points in the first nine games of a season. Also, Clemson had 400 passing yards in back-to-back games from a quarterback for the first time in school history. What's even crazier, it was two different quarterbacks. DJ Uyangale did against Notre Dame. Trevor Lawrence followed it up against Pitt on Saturday with over 400 yards passing and a couple touchdowns. Lawrence also won his 32nd career game. He is now tied with Deshaun Watson, Taj Boyd, and Rodney Williams for the most ever wins by a starting quarterback. He also went over 10,000 yards of total offense, joining Watson and Boyd in Clemson history. Travis Etienne, he's never done setting records and making marks. 20 receiving yards in this game. That helped him set the school mark for receiving yards in a single season, passing C.J. Spiller, you might have heard of him, Cornell Powell had his third consecutive 100-yard game, just the sixth Clemson receiver to ever do that. Wow, that's crazy. Three straight games of 100 yards or more. You think about all the great wideouts that have come through this, this program. Amari Rodgers became the first Tiger ever to record at least six receptions in seven consecutive games. And then finally, Clemson's senior class became the first in school history to never lose a home game. They were perfect on the season. And the first in FBS senior classes to go perfect since 2010 Boise State and Oklahoma. Wow, that's impressive numbers. And finally, the last lesson learned in this game, you know, I I think the run game showed some signs of life. I think there was something there. 
the numbers aren't going to pop out at you. 145 yards on 38 carries. It wasn't like Clemson just uh, dominated the line of scrimmage and, and, and ran right at Pitt time after time and just owned them with huge chunk plays and yards. It, it wasn't really like that. 3.8 yards per carry for a team. But you look at what you know, Travis Etienne didn't do a whole lot. He had two touchdowns in this game, 58 yards. He didn't do a whole lot on the ground. But he did average over five yards per carry. And then Lynn J. Dixon, where you been? He shows up in this one. Nine carries, 46 yards, had a long of 15, had a touchdown run, and averaged 5.1 yards per carry. And then Chesma Lucy, 5.4 yards per carry, uh, coming in and getting five uh, touches for 27 yards. So they let these guys run a little bit. And you know what? The numbers overall aren't going to be anything that anybody's going to remember in this game, but I I, I see it a, a, a running game that looked better and at least was effective and did some things against a pit front that doesn't give up rushing yards. They, ha- they haven't given up. I think they've given up 150 yards one time all year. And Clemson knocked on the door of that with 145. So I think only two teams have rushed for more yards against Pitt this season. So maybe, just maybe, this run game got a lot better over the long-haul break there. Coming up next on the Locked On Clemson podcast, going to go inside the box score, take a deeper look at the numbers, the stats, what happened in this game, and why did it go the way that it did. Let me tell you about Coors Light. Can you imagine? It's Monday. You just got home. It's already been a week. I mean, one day into the week, you need to hit the reset button. You need to relax. You need to do something to just take your mind off things and reset and get ready for the next day. Well, that's where Coors Light comes into play. It's ice cold. It's ice filtered. It's ice lagered. It is the beer that is literally made to chill. So chill out. Take some time for yourself. Watch a little football. That's the thing about Coors Light. No matter who's on. Coors Light goes great with any football. So sit back, relax. Take some time for yourself and check out that Beer that is literally made to chill. It's what I choose, what I reach for when I want to sit back and hit the reset button. And the cool thing about Coors Light now, you can get delivered to your home. It's get.coorslight.com. It's get.coorslight.com. Get the cold packaged, ice cold Coors Light delivered directly to your home. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up Tuesday, going to have... Tuesday Tiger of the Week on Locked On Clemson Podcast. We're talking about a standout Clemson player, not just on the field all the time. Sometimes it's off the field. I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. Let's get right into the box score, inside the box scores. We take a deeper look at what Clemson accomplished in this game from a statistical standpoint. Where did it struggle? Where did the Tigers really excel over all of that uh, right now? 52-17, to again, was the final in this game. The Tigers scoring 31 points in the first quarter. Those five turnovers that Clemson forced in this game turned into 28 points. Clemson has dominated that category. Points off of turnovers have been huge for the Tigers this year. They did have one turnover, and that did go for seven points for Pitt. But 28 points forced off of those five turnovers. Four interceptions. Mario Goodrich had two of those. He was also joined by Andrew Booth. And Malcolm Green, a true freshman who got his first interception of his career. Take a look at just the peripheral numbers here. 581 total yards for Clemson. They did it in 90 plays. That's 6.5 yards per play. It's been, you know, Clemson doesn't get to that number 
very often. They've done it a couple of times this year, but this is one where they really dominated uh, time of possession, 36 minutes to about 23 minutes, and they just kind of they did what they wanted to offensively. Again, they didn't run the ball uh, especially efficient to the point where you're going to be like, wow, look at those numbers, but still, 145 yards total. The penalties is the only thing that Clemson didn't do well. Uh, eight penalties for 55 yards in this one, and they did have 27 first downs. They were 7 of 18 on third downs and did convert one fourth down in this game. And um, really overall, the offense, I thought, played about as well as you could when you consider what you're having to do here. This is an offense that kind of had to restart itself and get going again, and Trevor Lawrence was was sharp. Uh, the Clemson quarterback uh, throwing 70, completing 70% of his passes, 403 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's a huge key. And he got the ball to Amari Rodgers and Cornell Powell the most. Rodgers set that career high there with 10 catches for 93 yards. And then Car- Cornell Powell, six catches, 176 yards, and a touchdown on the flea flicker play that was beautifully called, beautifully executed, turning into an easy wide-open touchdown for the Tigers in this one. And then how about E.J. Williams, the true freshman? He wore 39 in honor of his family member uh, who uh, died in serving this country on Military Appreciation Day. E.J. catches his first touchdown pass of his career, three catches, 38 yards. They needed it because there was no Joseph Ngata, no Frank Ladson Jr., and so somebody else had needed to step up besides Rodgers and Powell, and it was E.J. Williams. Not, pretty good game there for uh, Braden Galloway as well as he had two catches for 37 yards, including a 35-yarder where he just ran right down uh, the sideline pretty open. Uh, Clemson was able to also offensively play a lot of people. D.J. Uyangole did come in and throw 12 passes, completed just 31 or just completed those for 31 yards, 7-12. He did throw a touchdown pass in this game. And again, as I mentioned, Dixon and Malusi played really well. They came off the bench. Uh, Clemson got in all kinds of receivers uh, in this one. In fact, there were uh, 13 different players called a pass in this game. So everybody got off the bench, it seemed like, to play on offense. So that was key for Clemson to be able to do that and still get the numbers they needed. Uh, still, you know, rack up big yards for Trevor Lawrence. Although I don't know what it means for the Heisman race, but still, he had big numbers against Pitt in this one. A pretty solid defense on the defensive side of the ball. Really, not overly surprised at some of the numbers. Two hundred and forty-six total yards for Pitt. They did have two hundred and thirty passing. They couldn't. They, they don't run the ball, and they couldn't run the ball against Clemson. I say this all the time. You, if you don't run the ball against Clemson, you're pretty much done. I mean, you really are. Like you need to be. Uh, as balanced as possible, but if you're not going to be balanced, at least be able to run the football. You know, Notre Dame ran the football on Clemson. There are a lot of reasons for that, but that's one of the, that's a big key to why Notre Dame won that football game. Kyron Williams wore them down. That Notre Dame front wore Clemson down, and when depth became an issue, Clemson just, just could not hold up against the run. Well, Pitt doesn't run the football that way. This is not the Pitt from a couple of years ago. This is one that airs it out with Kenny Pickett a lot. He threw 39 passes in this game for 209 yards, two touchdowns, and those four interceptions, and really just put his team in such a huge hole out the game. It was 17 nothing before you could even blink. This game was pretty much over and in hand because of those interceptions. You can't give good teams short fields, and Clemson had them all day long, especially a team that hasn't played in three weeks, a quarterback who hasn't played in over a month. Really not a great idea to just simply say, here, 
we'll let you start at like the 25 or 30, see if you can score. Uh, so Pitt's defense, while very good, absolutely just too much in this game, could not hold up. And Clemson's defense did, and not surprised by that, to be honest with you, with those two guys back that I mentioned earlier, Skowski and Davis, Mike Jones Jr. back at linebacker. Uh, they did not have Darian Kendrick, get to that later. Uh, they did not have Sheridan Jones, not have Landon Zanders. That's three guys in the secondary that they were missing, and it didn't even matter. In fact, the uh, only player really, I mean, there's they had a couple of guys catch five passes each. Nobody over 62 yards in this game for Pitt. So uh, a good, solid effort, I think, by Clemson's defense. A good bounce-back effort, I think, is what uh, it should be called because that's certainly, I believe, what it was for the Tigers. Coming up next, going to take a look at some storylines as we get ready to turn the page over to Virginia Tech Week. What can you keep an eye on? What do you need to pay attention to? I'm going to let you know all of that and more coming up. Who said you've got to sacrifice taste when it comes to eating healthy? That's why Built Bar was invented. Because Built Bar, the folks there at BuiltBar.com understand and know that you want to enjoy what you're eating. Yes, you want protein. You want low sugar. You want uh, low calories. Something to help you stay fit, help you to maintain and lose weight. But at the same time, it's got to be good. you got to want to eat it. And that's why Built Bar designed and came up with the new and improved, more delicious Sir Built Bar. Every one of their 18 amazing flavors covered in 100% chocolate. It's soft, it's easy to chew, and check out some of the new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Great for this time of the year. Plus the 12 original flavors like the uh, coconut almond which is 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. It is like a candy bar that you are going to absolutely love and love the fact that it's good for you. It's going to help you uh, be the health-conscious guy that you're trying to be. So go check out Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. All you got to do is type in promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Check out Peacock and Williamson NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news, the inside in every game, team, and more around the NFL. Get your picks, your previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's wrap things up here with storylines going into the presumed final week of the regular season. Right now, Clemson doesn't have a game scheduled for December 12th. I don't think that changes, but that's going to be the number one storyline, I think, as we go throughout the week. Is this the last regular season game? Doesn't Clemson kind of need to know that as they prepare for Pitt? Are we going to get any clarification on whether or not there's going to be a Florida State-Clemson game? It doesn't feel that way as of right now. It hasn't felt that way really since uh, the Saturday morning that Florida State pulled out of the game for COVID reasons. And now they pulled out of another game with Virginia because they were having too many COVID issues. And they're just, they're completely, um, their their whole roster is just disintegrating. I mean, they didn't have enough play. They had 44 players who could actually go out and play. They had like entire position groups that could not play. So you think they're going to be ready to go on December 12th in two weeks? 
Probably not. I mean, really, honestly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really not saying this to try to be mean to Florida State in any way whatsoever. Why don't you just forfeit the rest of the season? Like, I know that makes no sense in this day and age. You got to get inventory. You got to have games on TV. But why, why keep putting other teams through this? Why put yourself through this? If you can't play football, you can't play football. It's a pandemic year. No one's going to get mad at you if you can't field a team. So I, I think it's a pretty good idea if, if you're Florida State uh, to at least consider that, even though you know it's not going to happen. But we'll continue to follow that storyline all week and see if, when, potentially, maybe, probably not a chance, snowball's chance, uh, this game gets made up. But if that's the case, the Clemson's final regular season game will be in Blacksburg on Saturday night. That was announced 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Storyline number two, Darian Kendrick. What's going on here? Uh, maybe you no, didn't notice or maybe you didn't hear about it until after the game, but the star cornerback for Clemson, one of the best players in that secondary, didn't play at all on Saturday. He wasn't listed on the unavailable report. He was dressed. He was on the sideline. He simply never came in the game. And Coach Winnie was asked about it after the game, and he gave another kind of weird, cryptic answer that he gave several weeks ago when Kendrick didn't suit up and play, or did suit up and didn't play. For the Tigers, uh, for whatever reason, he's in some sort of doghouse. Now, Coach Sweeney said it's not a doghouse, it's a love shack. And he feels like discipline is the, uh, love is the best form of discipline. So he's just trying to keep it all together with Darian Kendrick. My theory is Kendrick's done something that uh, constitutes getting his attention, and they're not getting his attention. So they're going to have to continue to, to sit him. It's probably not something that maybe deserves to get kicked off the team. It's probably not something that is going to hurt his NFL draft stock, and I think that's one of the things in play here. Clemson could be protecting his draft stock, but overall, at some point, he's one of your best players on defense. He's got to play. He's got to play. If he if he doesn't, then why is he on the roster? So we'll see what happens here moving forward. I think it's a storyline heading into Virginia Tech. Do you see Darian Kendrick on the football field or not? Final storyline of this game, of this week, going into this Virginia Tech game, is the Hokies and Justin Fuente. And they had a week off. They had a chance to kind of recoup and, and get themselves together. They have been ravaged by COVID and injuries and all kinds of things. What kind of shape are they going to be in? No fans in the stands. It's not going to feel like the, uh, the inner Sandman Lane Stadium that you used to see back in the 90s and, and 2000s when things were really rocking there under Frank Beamer. Fuente's just not getting it done right now with the Hokies. They're up and down. They're all over the place. It doesn't feel like a good matchup for them with Clemson coming to town. So going to keep an eye on just how healthy are they, make sure they can field a team. I mean, I'm sorry, but we got to do this every week. Are they healthy enough to field a team? And can they put up a fight in this game? I'm not sure they can. I'm really not sure. They can. I have no idea. Virginia Tech has been an enigma for me all season. Cannot figure out when to pick them or when to pick against them. When they're going to play well, when they're going to fall flat on their face. But this one's going to be a, a tall, tall task with the Tigers coming to town on Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. This wraps up Locked on Clemson Podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Make sure you hit the download button, the subscribe button, and let me know what you think about the podcast. I'm on Twitter, at Brad Singleton. That's with a W at the end. Coming up tomorrow, back with another episode, Tuesday Tiger of the Week. It'll be a busy one. Thank you so much again for being a part of the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Take care. Talk to you tomorrow, Clemson Nation.